listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church, Nassau, Bahamas with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to you. As I begin this message today, I promise you the devil does not want you to hear what I'm about to say today. Uh, He not only especially does not want you to hear, but he certainly doesn't want you to know what I'm about to share. Some of the things I'm going to share and say today about the blood of Jesus, some of you may not yet know, and you need to know some things of what the Word says the blood of Jesus has already done. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? The truth shall set you free. What is it that sets you free? Yes. The, oh, I tell you, 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 you guys, are, you're smart. Uh, you know, most people would shout the truth. But it's not just the truth. It is the truth that you know that will set you free. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? set you free. But you have to know it. You've got to know the truth. It has to be something that you don't just hear about, but you've got to know the truth about the blood of our Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you today four things that you need to know about the blood in order to be set free. Not just one thing, but four things. Everybody say four things. There's a lot more than four things. I I, I know other things are going to come up, but there are at least four things that I know is extremely important that you need to know. If you don't get these four things locked down in your spirit, then I want to tell you, then the enemy will have access to you and will come in and he will kill, steal, and destroy I want to start today in the book of Revelation, and I'm this, this is unusual, not the book of beginning, but I'm going to the end. Then I'm going to take you back from Revelation to the book of Genesis, and then we're going to go from Genesis all the way back to Revelation, but not every book in between. Don't get nervous now. Don't get nervous. Um... If you have your Bibles, I I want you to prepare and turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 12. I'm, I'm going to specifically give time to the reading of the Scripture today. I'm asking God to let you know this word in your heart. Not just hear it, but let it break through where this word will become a reality for you, and that you really know the truth about the blood. And knowing the truth, when you act on what you know, I promise you, you are going to be freer than you have ever known before. And so I want to pray. Father, I'm asking you right now that even that you would post angels at the doors of this place, I ask you even right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we bind every demonic spirit 
right now. We declare every spirit is bound and that now every ear is open to hear what you would say by your Holy Spirit today. Father, I ask this in no other name but the name of Jesus. And everybody said, everybody got your Bible? Revelation chapter 12. I turn here because it is a direct reference to the teaching on the weapons of our warfare. Today is part three. Part one, I talk to you about the prerequisites of spiritual warfare. The prerequisites. The last time I spoke, part two was seven things the devil cannot do to you. See, because once you have submitted your life to Christ, once you have come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, once you have come under the authority of a local church or under a spiritual covering, you see, you cannot exercise authority unless you are under authority. And when you are like James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But some people are resisting the devil, but he's not fleeing. The reason he is not fleeing, because you have not adequately done the first part of submitting yourself to God. But when you submit to God... You submit to spiritual authority. You make a decision what you're going to do about worry. Because First Peter says you've got to cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. People say, I, I, I'm a child of God, but it reminds me of the, the little song. I wish, I, I wish Tiffany would help me about the robin and the other bird who was having a conversation and said, these humans... Must be don't have a God like we do because they just go around worrying all the time. But you see, I believe that we must get to the place, like Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry, but pray. And thank God for all that he's already done. You see, I, I want to tell you this. I'm not saying there's nothing to worry about. I'm just saying that you cannot worry and pray at the same time. If you choose to worry, you're not praying. If you choose to pray, come on, you probably are not worrying. Let, let, let me, I, I, please, I'm just in my introduction. Come up here, Brother Knowles. Come up, Brother Knowles. Please stand up here a second. I, I, I need someone uh, to help me here. Uh, I need a, uh, a little less would be a perfect one. Oh, he doesn't want to come. Uh, he's so shy. Tiffany, would you come? Oh, thank God. Now, it's like this. If you make a decision to pray and not to worry, here's what Philippians 6, 7 says. If you do verse 6, you get verse 7. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your heart and your mind as you rest in Christ Jesus. So you see, if you make a decision to pray, it's like... An angel stands guard, just face the people, stands guard. You stay behind him. Don't get from behind him. Because if you're praying, it's like the angel goes on guard to guard you. You're praying. You're not worrying. Listen to it again. Don't worry. 
Tell God every detail of your life in earnest and in thankful prayer. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard your heart and your mind as you rest in Christ Jesus. But you know, sometimes we get a little distracted and we get our focus off of the Lord and we decide, I rather worry for a while. And when you worry, the angel goes off of duty and it's like you are exposed. But when you know the devil starts beating up on you, you start, oh, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I submit my life to you afresh. uh, And uh, I make a decision not to be anxious, but Lord, I need your help. And by the way, Lord, I want to thank you for all the blessings that you have already bestowed upon me. I give you thanks and I give you praise. And there you go. I tell you, in order to get to Tiffany now, you got to go through him. I said, I said to get to her, you gotta get through him. But you can't get through him as long as she's praying and giving God thanks. Thank you very much. Give them a hand. And then you gotta know there is an enemy. I'm a, by the way, if you want to write the reference down for the prerequisites, it's 1 Peter 5, 5 through 10. And if you were not here, get the CD of that message. Because I can't re-preach it and let you go at a decent time. But today's message. Those first two messages you need to get. But I'm talking today about how to appropriate the blood of Jesus. Four things you must know concerning the blood in order to be set free. I want to tell you the devil, he doesn't like this message. I tell you, he doesn't want you to get this message. I I wasn't going there, but I'm thinking about Exodus 12. That when the children of Israel was getting ready to leave Egypt. That he said that you are to take the lambs, take the blood from the slain lamb. And you eat the lamb, but take the blood and put it over your door lintel. And God said, when I come through the land, and when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. You see, that right there, my brothers and sisters, is a reference, an Old Testament reference to the blood of Jesus. So when you take today and appropriate and apply the blood then I'm telling you that the devil cannot penetrate the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one thing he can't do. He cannot cross the bloodline. Get under the blood today. Make a decision. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. How many of you recognize the fact that we are in a great conflict today? How many of you know that we're facing things today that we've never faced before? Come on, we're seeing things that we've not seen before. All over the world now, there are earthquakes with greater frequency than this world has ever seen. That's why the Bible says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's why when the disciple says, Lord, what shall be the signs of your coming? He said, one of those signs is that there will be earthquakes in diverse places. Strange places. Come on, in your lifetime, in my lifetime, we never heard of an earthquake in an island nation like the nation of Haiti. 
We don't know where the next earthquake. But I'm going to tell you one thing, my brothers and sisters. I'm not living in fear. Amen. Because I believe that there is a God in heaven. Come on. And he knows everything that's going to happen in this earth. He knows everything that the enemy has planned for you. I just want to say to somebody here today, since you're here, I'm speaking this over you. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Now this is why I'm sharing this message with you today. Because what I'm sharing, I'm dealing with weapons of our warfare. The Bible says again, the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now hear this. I want those in this room to hear me, those watching by television. uh, In the days ahead, you are either going to come under the dominion of that one who comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, or you're going to come under the dominion of the good shepherd. Now you see, I'm telling you what, there is like no demilitarized zone with this thing. I'm telling you what, it's like when Joshua stood on the banks of the river Jordan and he said to those people, listen, it's time for you to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's like Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel. How long will you halt between two opinions? Come on, you got you got to make a decision. You've got to get out of spiritual neutrality and you've got to make a decision. You're either going to live for Jesus or you're going to live for the devil. And some of you will live for the devil by default because you're not giving your life over to Jesus. My God, I would not want to be out there without God today. I would not want to be out from under that God hedge of protection. We might get there in Psalm 91. When I preach that, I'm going to show you how to build a God hedge of protection around you, around your family, and around your property. There is a way for you to build a God hedge of protection. Why well, today I feel like preaching today. You see, you understand that that in Job chapter one, the devil. After he had was walking up and down the earth, God summoned that devil and he said, Satan, where have you been? And the devil said, I have been going up and down in the earth. Now I want to tell you something right now. Satan is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. Come on, he is not omnipotent. He is a limited, created being. But he was uh, the anointed cherub and he had freedom to move about. But God said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil gets ready to preach a powerful sermon. He said, Job serves you, but oh, you got to hedge your protection around him. Good preaching, devil. That's about the best he ever did. From there on, it's always half truths. Half God said. He's trying to get you to doubt who you are in Christ. Half God said. Come on. But I want to tell you, you need to know what God has said about you. And when you know what God has said about you, you need to start saying it about yourself. When you find out what God's word says about the blood of Jesus... 
you need to internalize that word, appropriate that word, and speak that word out of your mouth. Revelations 12. I'm sharing major passages of Scripture, but significant ones, especially referencing the blood of Jesus. Then I'm going to share with you those four truths before we leave. Revelations 12 and verse 11. Here's what it says. They overcame him. The him there is the accuser of the brethren, the devil, the dragon, the thief, the one that is referenced in verses 9 and 10. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Everybody say by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I'm going to take a portion of my time again to read some scriptures showing the reality of the blood. Look at Genesis now, chapter 3 and verse 15. You need to write these verses down because how many times have you listened to a message and you said, Oh, I wish I could remember what he said. The shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Write it down. And I trust that you will allow this word to work in your heart today. But here's Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee. Now this is the Lord. And he's talking to the devil. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. Some translations have that word, the second seed, in a capital letter. That would be proper because that second seed is referencing the Lord Jesus. He shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. How many of you know that when Jesus came to the earth, that he bruised the head of the devil? I I want you to know that he did that And I want you to know with what medium he did it as we turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, this is probably the most direct passage showing what the Messiah has done. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, this is a prophetic word that is given about 750 years before Jesus ever came to the planet. And it's looking into the future from Genesis to Isaiah the blood was shed time and time again that blood was from bulls and goats through the sacrificial systems that the shedding of blood would be shed so sins would be covered under the old covenant now here the prophet begins to view Jesus verse 4 surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are 
healed. I wish someone would just quote the last line. And with his stripes, we are healed. Come on, someone who needs a, a healing touch in your body today, it'll be good for you to say that. And by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Now let's turn over to the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Now you know that our Lord Jesus really came. He told his disciples he would be crucified. He called it the blood of the new covenant. He died on Calvary's cross, shed his blood for our sins. Yes, Jesus died. And he purchased our great salvation. They put him in a tomb, but the grave could not hold him down. For just as he said, in three days he rose up from the grave. Now in Romans 3, I want you to listen. The Apostle Paul gives a little commentary under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, inspired by God concerning what the blood has done for us. Romans 3 and following. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What we had just read from Isaiah. Even the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Today we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ was what we needed for the forgiveness of sins and the cleansing from all of our sins. Someone said, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died upon the cross. Someone finish it with me. I know it was the blood that saved me. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Is it all right for us to hear from the Word today? Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. I'm dealing today with the blood of Jesus and four truths. You must know, you must get locked down in your spirit. Indeed, if you're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Believe me when I tell you that you're either going to be, you're either going to overcome or you are going to be overcome in the days ahead. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children, that's us, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
I want to say to you out loud. Through the blood of Jesus, Satan's power has been destroyed. Now hold your place in Hebrews. But I, I want to just take you to 1 Peter 3.8. And 1 Peter 3.8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. But this is the part I want you to get. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Now, you know, Sister Jane, I can't quote that verse in, without telling them what the word destroy really means. The word destroy comes from the Greek word luo. And it means to loose. You see, I want to tell you, Jesus came to, to destroy the works of the devil so we could be loosed. And the word also means to outdo, overdo everything the devil has done. And that's why for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Say this with me. Through the blood of Jesus, Satan's power has been destroyed. Now make a left turn again to Hebrews 9. Hebrews chapter 9 beginning at verse 12. And here's what it says. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Someone say, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. I want you to notice what the blood does. Purge your conscience. From dead works to serve the living God. Now look at verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. And that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now notice this. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Where a testament is, or there is a will that is in place. In order for the will to go into force and to go into effect, guess what? The one who's written the will has to die. And so Jesus becomes the testator, if you please, the executor of his own will. Because you see, 
1 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, All the promises of God are in Him, Christ, yes and amen. Now here's, here's what I want you to get. God Almighty gave the promise. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to this earth and when He went to the cross for the promises that God gave, Jesus came and He said yes. And because Jesus said yes by dying, He then rose from the dead to become the testator, the executor of His will, to make sure His will would be carried out. And so what we do now, if God gave the promise and Jesus came and said, yes, we say, amen. All the promises of God are in him. Yes. And amen. God gave the promise. Jesus said, yes. And we say, God gave the promise. Jesus said, yes. And we say, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise offering. Now watch this now, verse 17. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. I've got a will. My wife and I have a will. But that will doesn't have any strength whilst I'm living. It only makes known my wishes and my desires for what will happen to my estate. Amen. But once I die, the will goes into effect. It's like the guy, Bill, who went to his friend, he said, please, you know, mention me in your will. Mention me in your will. And sure enough, his friend died. And Bill was there. And they were reading the will. And they got to the point where it says, hello, Bill. You said mention you. (laughs) Hi, Bill. Come back with me now. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. It was not dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop And he sprinkled both the book and all the people. Now what this is showing is what Jesus would do when he comes. And then it says in verse 20, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacles and the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, I told you a few weeks ago that there were mainline denominations who have made decisions to take songs out of their hymn books that had any reference to the blood. Liberal theologians have risen up and, and they, they, put, they will put us down and say, uh, all you got is a slaughterhouse religion. But I tell you today, I will stand up in front of any liberal theologian 
and remind them that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I can't get to God. I can't go to heaven on my good works, my good looks. It's going to take the blood of Jesus to cleanse you, to wash you for the remission of sins. Now turn one more verse here to the next chapter, chapter 10. I wish I could read all of this chapter, but I'm only going to read one verse. Hebrews 10 verse 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. I tell you, I feel boldness because I know I'm preaching about the blood of Jesus. But you enter by the blood into the holiest of all. Now turn just a couple pages further to the right. Hebrews 13 in verse 20. This is the last chapter of Hebrews. This is the apostolic benediction. It says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect. How many of you have a goal to come to full maturity in Christ? How many of you have a goal to come to maturity in Christ? Well, how will you come to maturity? How will you come to full maturity? Through the blood, make you perfect or bring you into full maturity. Listen, unless you allow the blood of Jesus to impact your life, to allow the truth about the blood to become a functionally real in your experience, you will never come to full maturity in Christ. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Just one or two more scriptures. Just one or two more scriptures. I'm reading these verses, but as I'm reading these verses, I'm, uh, I'm praying that they will lay the groundwork for what I'm preaching today. That they will become precious to you. That they will be able, come on, for you just to not just see the words on the pages, but to incorporate them into your spiritual life. First Peter 1 and 18. It says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers. But with the, say it, precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want to tell you, when you study the book of First Peter, you will hear him talk about things like precious faith, even precious trials, and precious 
promises. But here he's talking about the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 and 7. I told you that I would start in Revelation, go to Genesis, and here I am back, getting ready to go back to Revelation. But just before Revelation is 1 John 1 and 7. And it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to thank God today that the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Now back to Revelation 12, where we looked at that verse. We want to look at it one more time. The key verse for the teaching today. And they overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Now there are four things you must know about the blood of Jesus Christ if you're going to be able to overcome the lies and the deceptions of the devil the first thing you must know is that through the blood of Jesus your sins and your sin have been forgiven I said that just the way I wanted to say it just in case you don't think it sounded right. How many of you know that you were born into Adam's race under the reality of the sin nature? You never taught any of your children to sin. They just begin to sin. We dedicated these precious little babies to the Lord. But in just a period of time they will do things that you did not teach them because as precious as they are they still were born in Adam's race the fact is that we were all born in trespasses and sin the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can undo what man did in his original rebellious state. The only things, the only thing that can undo that sin nature is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross became my sin. And through the shedding of blood, Announce the righteousness of God that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. How many of you know that you must be born again? Do you know why you must be born again? Because you were born, born wrong the first time. You were born into Adam's race, which was a sin race. And the only way sin could be taken out is for somebody to get on this planet who was not born of Adam's race. 
And that's why Jesus had to come to this earth. That's why he had to become born and it had to be through an immaculate conception. So when the angel visited Mary and said, you are going to have a baby. She said, how can this be? Seeing I know not a man. And he said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. And when the Holy Ghost begins to overshadow and hoover over you, something is going to come inside of you. It's going to be a righteous seed. And Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Mary did not have a relationship with Joseph. In fact, you know the story from reading the New Testament that Joseph had thought to put her away privately when he found out that she was pregnant. I I, I love this whole story about Mary here. I don't have a lot of time, but when Mary said to the angel, be it unto me according to thy word, at that moment, Mary became impregnated with the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I just want to say that verse again. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that Word that was with God. And the Word that was God. That created all things. And without Him was not anything made that was made. That Word became flesh. The sinless Son of God came to this earth. He did not sin. He had no sin. He was tempted to sin like as we are yet without sin. And it was Jesus, the sinless Son of God, that became the perfect sacrifice for sin so that we can stand before God and know today because of what Jesus did, we can stand before Him forgiven. You know, there is one other thing that I didn't tell you what the blood did, and this is not in the notes. But Romans 4, 5, and 9, you don't have to turn there. But it tells us that by the blood of Jesus, I'm justified. Someone here needs this. The blood of Jesus justifies you. What does that mean? The word justified. It is this. Just as if I'd never sinned. My God. And that's how God looks at me. Come on, when I come to God, He's not remembering J. Sims in the, come on, in the late 60s. He's not remembering me in my old life. He sees me through the blood of His Son Jesus, and He sees me as cleansed, forgiven, and justified. Oh, my Lord, I know I've got to hurry. These four things. Just touch your heart a second. See, if this word doesn't touch you today, some of you are going to be in trouble. Just say, Lord, let this word penetrate my heart. 
let it get down into my spirit. I declare that I will not be the same in Jesus' name. Oh, my God. I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He not only forgave my sins, he broke the power of the sin nature. Thus declaring that by the blood of Jesus, Philip Butler, I am no longer a slave to sin. Thank God. Does anybody have an ear to hear? This has got to be something to get in your spirit. I, I'm, I'm believing God today. Thank God. I'm glad I don't live under the bondage of sin anymore. I'm telling you, you don't have to live under the old sin nature anymore. You could stand here today and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Through the blood of Jesus. Now that's the first thing. Quickly. The second thing you must understand is that the blood of Jesus Christ has broken Satan's legal hold off of your life. Listen to me. Satan has no right to you any longer. The enemy would lie to you. And that's all he knows how to do. The enemy will tell you he has rights to your life. He'll tell you, I have rights to your mind, to your business, to your spirit, to your person. But I'm standing before you today and I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ, when Jesus died on that cross, he broke Satan's legal rights over the human race. Jesus was bruised. His heel was bruised, thus signifying his mortality, signifying that he would physically die. But through his death, and through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, there was a death nail placed into the coffin of Satan that he no longer has any legal right over anything that pertains to you. I wish someone would go ahead and give the Lord a praise offering right there. Come on, just thank God you are free. Just say Satan has no right over my life. Come on, just declare Jesus is Lord of my life. My God, I, I, I know somebody just got a hold of that. I said someone just, someone who's been struggling. You're wondering why I, do I have to fall into this thing over and over again? Well, I'm telling you, someone just got a revelation. And you're going to leave here today saying, Satan, enough is enough. You no longer have a right to control me. You can't tell me what to do any longer. I am free. Someone declare your freedom. I'm free. I'm free indeed. Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing is you must understand that the blood of Jesus Christ, yes, has broken Satan's legal hold. Every one of you here today in this building, every one of you, including this preacher, Every one of us have different struggles. Come on now. Every one of us have different 
types of things we're dealing with. Every one of us have struggled in our hearts, in our minds with different things. And the devil would come to you and he would say, it's always going to be that way. That's just the way it has to be. But some of you here today, you've struggled with those thoughts. You've struggled with thoughts of this, whether you were saved or not saved. Come on, I'm talking to people here. This week you have questioned your own salvation, whether you're really saved or not. I have to be honest. I'm not exempt. The enemy comes and he brings thoughts into my mind. And he used to do that when I was a new Christian. And he would say, come on, you're not really saved. You wouldn't think those thoughts that you're thinking right now. Until I realized, Brother Leslie, that I did not originate those thoughts. The devil came. He brought thoughts into my mind. But I have to make a decision whether I accept those thoughts and begin to meditate those thoughts or I renounce those thoughts in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus. So I just resist the devil and I say, devil, I'm redeemed. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. I belong to him. You understand? the tie that I'm wearing today I purchased this tie the owner of the store cannot come and say J. Sims that tie came out of my store and I'm taking it back I say excuse me sir when I purchased this tie you gave me a receipt and I have a receipt. I paid a price for this tie. This tie no longer belongs to you. It belongs to me. And that's the way it is that Jesus paid a price for you. You don't even belong to yourself. You certainly don't belong to the devil because you've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. You belong to him. Hallelujah. Because Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. And he through death has destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And he has released you from the powers of darkness. And he has brought you into the kingdom of his son, into this marvelous light. Say this, he, Jesus, destroyed the devil by the blood of Jesus, and he has released me. I am free. Now now listen to me. In Adam, we were all messed up. But in Christ, we are a new creation because of the blood I know people who knew me back then and they'd always say I remember you, you was mischievous I remember you, what you used to do this I remember when we used to go and they'd name the places 
And I say, well, that person you knew then is not this person. That was an old J. Sims. But this is the new man in Christ, recreated in Christ Jesus. And all things are passed away. And now all things have become new. I'm a new creation. All things are passed away. I've been born again. I'm more than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Someone, I need, I wish some men would say I'm a brand new man. I wish some women would say I'm a brand new woman. My God, I'm a brand new person. Now, not only do we have forgiveness, and not only do we have deliverance, but we also, and you need to get this, not only do we have forgiveness, not only do we have deliverance, but we also get the presence of the Lord through the blood of Jesus. Listen, if you do not get into the presence of God through the blood, then I tell you, that's why you're having a lot of difficulties. You have difficulties with appropriating, maintaining that forgiveness, and certainly more difficulties maintaining your deliverance. Let me say that again. If you don't learn to enter into His presence daily by the blood of Jesus, where you can come into the presence of God, which I believe it is in the heart of every person, they want to be in the presence of God. How do you come into the presence of God? It's right there in Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, most people, when they think about coming into the presence of God, they think, Lord, you know, I haven't been that bad this week. Lord, you know, I haven't committed adultery this week. Lord, I haven't fornicated this week. Lord, I haven't stolen this week. And all they can do, they're thinking about, you know, they're not that bad. But listen, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him and with what Jesus did when he shed his precious blood. Oh, I, I wish I had time, but my time is running out really quickly here. But you remember that the high priest did not go into the holiest of all without the blood. When he went in to the holiest of all, he had to take blood. And he would take and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. You have to understand the shapes, the types and shadows. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, we see him in John chapter 20. And Mary takes him for the gardener until he calls her name and he says, Mary. And she realizes who he is. She's about to touch him. And he says, don't touch me yet. Because I have not yet ascended to my father. That's John twenty seventeen. Don't touch me. Because you see, Jesus would have to take 
his precious blood that was shed on Calvary and he would have to take that blood and he would have to go to the Father and place that blood on the mercy seat. He would become the fulfillment of what the Old Testament priests had been doing for years and millenniums. But then, Ten verses later in John 20, Jesus has come in to the room where the disciples are. And he comes to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, go ahead and touch me. Put your hand in my hand. Thresh your hand in my side. And do not doubt. Only believe. And Thomas fell on his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. What was the difference between verse 17 and verse 27, Jesus had already ascended up to the throne, took his precious blood, put it on the mercy seat in heaven. My God, and that's why you and I today, we have a right to come into the presence of God. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. Come on. But it is by the blood of Jesus who opened up the way that we could come into the presence of God. And no longer do we need the sheep offering, scapegoat offering, because we have the Lamb of God that was shed. Come on. He died before the foundations of the earth. And I want to tell you today that God is standing ready just to bathe you in his presence. I believe God has bucketfuls of glory, Sister Gwen, that he just wants to pour out on Christian life. I believe he just wants to pour the glory of God out on this house. Come on, he doesn't want us to be the same. That's, that's why some people are getting burned out because you, uh, the enemy has kept you out of the presence of God. But when you come into the presence of God, you will come with full assurance. You will come with boldness. And when you come into His presence, there is answers in the presence of God. There is healings in the presence of God. There is deliverances in the presence of God. Whatever you need today, you can get when you step into the presence of God by virtue of the blood of Jesus. See, my brothers and sisters, you'll never be good enough to come into his presence. But I want to tell you, it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. So the third thing is the presence of God. You will be changed in his presence. The fourth thing that you get because of the blood is that he said through the blood, I will make you perfect. I will bring you to maturity. I've given you three things. Now I give you the fourth. If you do and appropriate one, two, and three, you get number four. You, get number, you cannot get number four without one, two, and three. If you get the reality of forgiveness and you walk in the reality of your deliverance, and you experience the reality of the presence of God daily, the blood will service you as a perfecting agent. Are you hearing me? It will get you so infused in your inner man that you 
will go from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from glory to glory. You will be made perfect. The devil is going to come. And he's going to bring his accusations this week. And the devil will say to you, you're nothing, you're nobody. I want to tell you another problem that some people have here is a, a spirit of loneliness. And there are demonic spirits that work on that area of your emotions to make you always feel like you are alone. The fact is you are not alone when you know the Lord. He said, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. You say, well, Pastor, why do I feel so alone? I'll tell you, it's the, it's, it's the, the demon spirits working on that area of your emotions to make you feel alone. Like, and it, they come with voices too. Nobody really cares about you. Now, I know I'm going to speak at least, at, this is for at least three people in this room. At least three people in this room have been told very recently by a spirit of suicide if you took your own life you wouldn't even be missing no one cares about you that devil is a lie I rebuke that spirit I rebuke that spirit of suicide I rebuke the spirit of death I rebuke every spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus I rebuke that spirit that is troubling people's emotions in this room. Now, Lord, let your healing power, let your healing virtue flow into this place today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you.